All right. All right. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. No, I'm missing. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? <laughs> I said, I, yeah, I put it back in there. And you Mine too. was unplugged, so. Oh. Now we're figuring out our technology in real time (laughs) as the sound plays. Uh, See, well, now I'm too loud again. (laughs) I'm too loud. We just tinker. It's a fun thing to think. All the knobs on that new board are very satisfying. To like the sliders are nice, and the the little individual stops on the on the headphone volume where you can incrementally go up. It's funny. The only things that are not (laughs) satisfying are just such minor. Who did cares? the we, uh, yeah? Did the, the one of the foot pads fall no, off of no, that? No, it's got all four because it's like one of the, it's like an old table. How you have to put some matchbooks underneath it in order for it to not to wobble. Yeah, um, yeah. So speaking of that, <laughs> uh, there was this guy in our neighborhood uh, last night. He came home and he found out that his house had been broken into. They stole all of his lamps. Oh wow! And all the bulbs out of all the fixtures. Incidentally, he was delighted. I had my finger on the laugh. I had to move it over. I'm laughing on the inside. We are all laughing on the. That's the 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 slogan of the Mark and Todd cast. We're laughing on the inside. Well, hi, Todd. Hello. How are you? I'm I'm very well. I'm stuck in this. I lost my. Podcast? I've never, as much as I like this little sound, uh, little soundboard that I make you drag out of the closet every time I come over. Now that you have the the better soundboard, but it was never big enough to, um, really be able to find what like you can label the folders, but the the text is very tiny. We'll add this to our white people problems. Like your <laughs> my tortillas are too big that you were having earlier this afternoon. We bought massive tortillas at grocery outlet. They are huge. Yeah, they're they're huge. But you don't have to like make the burrito as big as the tortilla. You can wrap a small tortilla. Like but then you have like the, that weird thing where it's like nine layers of tortilla. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Good, As someone, I was, <laughs> we're now like three things inside three things, but I was telling you, also telling you earlier <laughs> about my fascination with the instant pot, me and my niece and how everything is just like goulashy pile of stuff. And then the last step is add two, two cups, cups of, of cheese. cheese. So the thing I had last night was chicken something or other. Um, with two cups of cheese, but then also shredded tortillas. So oh. it's like you just shred up ten tortillas, and oh, yeah. it's not a soup. It's not a. It's not like a standalone it's like a thing. It's a, so it's, it's one it's of my a, bucket meals. I, <laughs> I just put it in a Tupperware bucket huh. and eat that anyway. We had a phase of uh, one pot pasta. 
that oh, we, right. we love that. Yeah, yeah, I've been going through that too. Yeah. That's I think an introduction to the Instant Pot. But we'll go back from Instant Pot talk to your two big tortillas. Two <laughs> big tortillas. Let's roll ourselves out of this <laughs> deep three-layered hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, we had big tortillas that we got from Grocery Outlet. Now we can't store them anywhere, so we... Pretty much, I think we have to eat them all. Today. It's like a, they were like spices of us, like a spare tire. Those things were huge. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, there's a couple things since we haven't done uh, one of our shows in a while. Uh, we had Steve on last time, yes. and he was great. So go listen to that uh, episode about the coronavirus uh, if you have not listened to it. Um, but I kind of teased it, and I won't go into it an, as much, but I teased that I think the documentary Paris is Burning that oh, yeah. I made you guys watch. It's incredible. So um, this, uh, and it's on Netflix right now, so I haven't seen it. Uh, it's called Paris is Burning. It came out in like 1987, 86, something like that. Um, and it's been on my Netflix queue probably since 1999 when I first got Netflix, like through the mail. Um, but because the title is a little misleading, every time I would go past it, I would be like, well, I'm not interested in that and blah, blah, blah. And then I started watching it and I was shocked that I hadn't seen it because it's a movie about, it's got a sequel. I didn't um, know that. It's a documentary movie um, made in what was called the ball cult- culture in kind of a New York City underground um, club scene with um, that was mostly uh, gay kids who didn't have anywhere else to go. This is New York in the in the early '80s, and so it was a dangerous time to be out. And so they would form these the what they would call big balls, big galas, and have a bunch of different categories. The most famous being the Vogue, which of course is what Madonna wrote her song about. That kind of dancing. Uh, was part of it. And so I thought that was kind of all that happened in these things, like everybody just Vogue danced or whatever. And and so this documentary highlights, um, I don't know, it's not a specific length of, length of time, but it, it talks about uh, the different people involved in putting these each. You, It's like, it's so hard to talk about because it's so, it's so interesting. So there's different houses which are different gangs so you kind of join a gang that uh like are these friendly rivals and then you basically do pose offs so it's like dance fighting or whatever right which is very um um uh the ben stiller movie that totally like uh we're gonna have a dance a dance uh, yeah i can't remember which which one of his movies is that was um and so I thought, you know, well, obviously drag Zula. culture, Zula, uh, drag culture is a big part of it. And so I was just thinking, you know, the very theatrical, that type of thing. But what fascinates me about this this documentary is that these big um, competitions that they have have like, I would say, maybe 20, 25 different categories. And what fascinated me to no end are because like they had you know drag queen category butch drag queen category I mean, you know the right. the ones that you'd find typical or like different different sorts of dances but then young executive category where it's just someone dressed as wearing an, a suit a, wearing a suit and a briefcase, a briefcase not like all not as a drag queen not just as right. an executive and they would they had 
normal person going to school. Normal person, like yeah, schoolgirl, which wasn't like the sexy Catholic schoolgirl. It was just like a person that was very serious about his his or her studies going to school. Right. And they had one like regular mom, and it wasn't like crazy. It was just like suburban type, you know, Ed Cosby sweaters, and this so like no. Revealing it wasn't about sex. It wasn't about like a weird kink. It was just like. So I I have my ideas about this. Yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. And and I have no hard evidence about this. It's just (laughs) just my my thoughts. Yeah. Um, The 70s were were so um, it's such an interesting evolution of gay culture and gay history as uh you started to have uh like the gay pride flag came out in Mm -hmm. in um, 1972 and in san francisco and they had their first pride marches when was was stonewall stonewall was 69 okay so that was was just right after stonewall people were finally coming out and they were doing so much to establish a, this fresh new identity that f- had only been cloaked in rumors and hate and and like you must be effeminate you must be you know they they had pigeonholed the gays into this this identity right and everyone was Paul Linder Liberace r- totally and so the seventies were like okay we're gonna be butch we're gonna grow lots of hair we're gonna have facial hair we're gonna dress like bikers and you know and so we had you know uh the village people uh with the multiple identity identities yeah. like we can be anyone uh and ironically i think only one of them was gay yes, of the village people, I, which I, is funny. I think that's true and um the and so identity establishment was what was going on in the 70s and so in the 80s it was like identity uh, rolling back into, well, we can be anyone, truly anyone. We can be an executive. And none of these kids had that as a mindset. Like, yeah. well, I'm going to be this queer in the corner of New York that is outcast. And instead, they are identifying themselves as like, no, no, no. I I can be. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a business person. I'm a I'm a. Yeah, and so I mean, and to on school, top of being to... gay or queer, they're incredibly. All of them are incredibly poor. Have terrible yep. home lives. Have I mean, they're all out at you know three o'clock in the morning. You know, on a, and right. these are like some of them are thirteen and, and 15, fourteen. And, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if they don't go there, they're going to get killed because right. they either you know they're being kicked out of their house or they're being beaten at their house or, right. or whatever. Freezing and on the streets. So starving this, on the streets. And this was their hope. Their Military. There was one of the armed forces. Oh yeah, which yeah, was yeah. great. Yeah. Just a guy in his in his, his whatever uniform that it, was. Yeah, it was uh, uh, the Marines. Okay, the Marine uh, outfit. It, it, so like, I mean that blues. part. I mean that just. I mean, it just shook me in a way that was like, wow, that is so interesting that they would do it in this venue, like along with. I mean, it that the. Because, I mean, after you have, like, butch drag 
for going for the uh, walking for the first time, which was like a very specific category right. or whatever. And then to have like professional woman or whatever <laughs> in her like big, huge oversized sweater and like the long skirt and like yeah. flats with nylon, you know, it just, it was just so amazing. And yeah, that whole, this is, and along with like the the drag queens who of course are are a hyped up version of right. like a sensationalized version or yeah and th- that was that was version. interesting too like in their wildest dreams these kids right here could just have a job right like that future is so out of bounds insane right. that i would just be accepted into culture and have a place there. as a normal s- school child yeah. or as a business executive yeah right, you know yeah and it, most of them were p- people of color and it, yeah it was it was absolutely fascinating and um startling how much incredible footage they had you know this was a uh, a big film documentary like a Miramax, I think. I forget. It was, I think it was before yeah. Miramax. I it, forget. But, who it, did it, but it was yeah. it was a significant studio, and I think it went with, to Cannes and stuff like that. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, so it had budget behind it. It wasn't like some person drudging up from boxes right. stuff. This was real time, big yeah. cinema stuff, and they captured just incredible, poignant moments. I think about that thirteen and fifteen year old boy, the two boys that were on the sidewalk just talking about this life that they're in right now. It's like, I'm 15 and I don't have anywhere else to on go. The and I'm New on the York streets City. of New York City. And if I'm not here, I'm dead. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and there was, yeah. So, but, and then uh, on the other side of that is, is the part that intrigued me too is, the the actual Vogue dance, which right. of course gets it, and there's a, and I forget his name ironically now, but he's one of the house the house leaders or whatever, right. and he just says on camera like, "It is my job to bring Vogue to the world at large. Everyone will know it because of me." Right, and then like no one's ever heard of him. Right, <laughs> so it's like oh. Oh. But you can see they're not featured in the movie. Um, but in the background, you can see him. He is who uh, uh, who will become one of Madonna's dancers. Teach him and his friend from the House of Extravaganza. <laughs> That's the house <laughs> they were in. Yes, Jose and Louis. Uh, Madonna takes them. Says, "I need you to teach me this." puts them in the video, takes them around the world. And, and um, she gets slagged for like trying to appropriate sure. gay culture or whatever. But it's like she plucks two people out of what's happening and says to the world, show, show, this show the world, world and the world's going to know it's you. I'm not going to pretend that I Invented made this, this up. Right. I'm going to take you with me. And so, yeah, it's super, super fascinating. Huh. All of that. Um, and, and that it all happened at the Elks Lodge. Right. Like that's where their their big galas were were at the that's Elks Lodge incredible. at like three o'clock on a Saturday morning, <laughs> but um, anyway, oh the winter wear, <laughs> what the last thing they had a winter wear competition, and like just the big huge eighties parkas or whatever, and there was this guy with like this fabulous suit, and it was like this giant faux fur jacket, and all of a sudden this screaming as he's walking the runway or whatever. 
uh, a fight breaks out about if his coat is a woman's coat. Right. Because that is not allowed it in the butch composition. The left, yeah. And so he's right. like, it buttons on the right. And they're all <laughs> shouting back and forth and like f- being physically restrained from like this thing about, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so funny. That's a different category. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so check. I mean, if that if it doesn't sound interesting, I'm sorry for the last ten minutes. Uh, but if it does, it is on Netflix. It's called Paris yeah. is Burning, uh, yeah. and I just found that fascinating. Um, so I will skip all of this other stuff, other than to say, Madonna just celebrated her fiftieth number one dance song. So it is uh, the record holder for how many dance number ones uh, she has had. Wow. It's not on the main charts. Can't have a lot of that anymore. We did get a number one album this last year. Oh. So we have that. But we've Take- still got our dance queens out there. We watched uh, the Taylor Swift documentary. Uh, oh, yeah. So did I. Yeah, it's, it's really good and, and really highlights that industry. It's, it, and especially for, for female artists, how demanding the labels and the the world at large is for them to constantly yeah. reinvent yourself, but don't alienate us. Yeah. And oh my goodness. And, and, you know, Madonna has done that our entire lives, yeah. uh, you know, from, from, uh, early eighties really. Yeah. And, and continually she's kind of the definition of reinvention. Yeah. Totally. And, and, uh, and Taylor Swift is, in that struggle trying to figure out what the next invention is yeah and and faltering sometimes and yeah i I found i found that pretty interesting and i I, there's a lot of taylor swift songs i really like because i think she writes really really solid pop songs but i don't really follow her career or anything like Mm -hmm. that but it was it was interesting a little fluffy uh it's no truth or dare which all of those (laughs) even lady gaga her documentary it's all formatted for uh after that but um t- tell us about the tesla coil we saw oh, last coil. week <coughs> so uh quarter world is a, a place in portland that's a uh arcade uh with classic arcade machines and it's got a little bar and uh they also make food and <laughs> oh you mean crack <laughs> the, they make crack in the shape of food the the best chicken tenders Todd and I have ever had and it wasn't a fluke that it wasn't a fluke we, we went we went back a week later they were just as fresh uh uh perfect on the inside crispy on the outside powdered just, with salt or like msg just, or just something cocaine or something. i don't know what and, was in that and and fries and everything so, so they have an eight foot tall tesla coil uh mounted on the roof uh and in, in the ceiling not on the roof <laughs> It's just outside. Uh, it it takes down airplanes. Uh, it's on the inside. They've got a stage on the inside, and they've got a retractable metal cage that covers up the stage. It looks like old bed spring, like an old bed yeah. spring. Yeah, just mattress big type metal holder. cage. Yeah, and uh, and so the Tesla coil, eight foot tall. It uh, once you apply literally millions of volts <laughs> to it. It arcs electricity across the air gap between it and the cage. And so we're talking 12, 16 feet lightning bolts coming off of this thing. And 
the way that a Tesla coil works, you're applying an AC voltage to it and it is arcing across the air to the cage. They, uh, they change the frequency of the electricity that's applied to be uh, frequencies of um, audible tones that so I'll try humans to, can hear. Uh, this is just off my phone, but I'll try to play a little bit of... Yeah, so it is playing music, and they played like four songs. Let's see what this one is. So yeah, the, it's the bolts that are the bolts of lightning, I guess, electricity. But it so I mean, and I don't even know if you know the answer or can explain it in a way that doesn't take forty-five minutes, but. A, what does that plug into, and how do you get how do you get that out of like incredible step up <laughs> a power strip in the back that step up transformers? And so basically, uh, how transformers work is if <laughs> exactly roll out. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, a transformer has uh, a kind of a big metal ferrous uh, core. And has coils of of wire on one side, and then coils of wire on the on the output side. If I apply ten volts on the um, on the input, and there's a one to ten ratio of wires, so uh, ten wires here, a hundred uh, uh, twists of the wire here, a hundred twists of the wire over here, so a a, a one to 10, did I say, or 1 yeah. to 1 under whatever it is, multiplies that voltage up. And so you get less current, more voltage. And so <clears throat> it's super, super high voltage to the point of uh, it's the thumb rule that I've heard, and I, I don't have this confirmed. Uh, it's about 10,000 volts per inch. So if you're arcing 10 feet, that's 120 inches uh, that's 1.2 million volts that's necessary to uh, arc across that given uh, perfect scenario. So, so it's a hell of a lot of voltage uh, applied at a at the frequency. So 440 hertz is middle C. Right. And so if you're trying to play a middle C, they they apply 1.2 million volts at 440 hertz that arcs across the air at 440 hertz, which vaporizes, it, it literally uh, vaporizes and ionizes the air at the frequency of 120 hertz, which That's where they get gets, ionized salt. <laughs> no, but uh, similar. I think that every time I ionization, see ionization. <laughs> ionization is just stripping or adding of electrons. And okay. so salt is... Um, naturally very ionized and uh stuff. but yeah that tesla coil is super cool and super loud it's super super holy loud holy cow they do they give you like the big air airport 
ear muffs or ear, you know, Mickey Mouse ears is yeah. what they they literally are are. Referred and I was like, to. oh, you don't need them. And I had them on thankfully from the get go. And then halfway through, I took it off. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's <laughs> so very loud. I uh, I think I I had recently had my Apple Watch and it had a it has a loudness app. Well, that, now it's oh, I can find it. It, now it would be loud. <laughs> it's too loud. That should be the alarm instead of a bing. It should just. And uh, and so I I held up my watch and it was registering about 120 decibels, which um, is is loud and in the range of this is going to cause you damage if you listen to it all the time, but not in the range of like a jet engine. Uh, So it's if you took your earmuffs off. It's not going to blow your eardrums, but it is really, it's like standing next to a lawnmower uh, effectively. And so you can hear it perfectly with your earplugs or earmuffs on, and they provide those for free at Quarter World. Quarter World. So uh, I recommend going to the later show, which is at nine o'clock, which um, instead of four o'clock on Sundays, uh, as after six o'clock is happy hour and you only oh, yeah. get, uh, it's only cost $1. And so, um, to get in the door, to get in the yeah, door. Not and for so the normally strips. it's $4 to get in the door. Oh, okay. I didn't yep. know that. And then, uh, chicken strips, go to the bar and get chicken strips, yeah, which I think amazing. they're from, I forgot the restaurant next door, but I think they're from there. Cause that's a chicken and wings. Place. So. Really? I don't think so. Uh, Man. because the other place only had wings, wings, and so there is a chicken place next door with a window literally next to the door of the place. And I'm like, oh, that must yeah, be the yeah. provider of this. And uh, you could see the guy going back and they've got fires in the back of Quarter World. And so they're making them at Quarter World. I don't World. know what that stuff was. Yeah, we need to find out. Jeez Louise. All right. Well, let's move on. Oh, I, I did want to not to go back to it, but um, there was uh, something that I wanted to add to our conversation about... Um, Paris is burning. And there was a quote that one of them said, um, and uh, he was talking uh, in the context of, of racism and, and the black experience. And he said, the last 400 years is the greatest example of behavior modification ever seen. We have, every, we have had everything taken from us over and over and over until we have learned to give up. Wow. Which I thought, man, what a, I mean, that's... <laughs> That's a lot to <laughs> summary of America, right? Um, um, yeah, we just finished in our book club. We just finished um, uh, the sun does shine, which is uh, the story of the man that was released after 29 years of being uh, incarcerated for murder that he did not commit, and he was on death row for 29 years, almost 30 years, ugh. and um, and he's incredibly not bitter and um a a remarkable story absolutely recommend it wow the only thing that will cleanse our palate is this we'll sum up that last conversation (laughs) yes i will all right well let's do some news here Uh, portland's off-road cycling park gateway green is getting a multi-million dollar upgrade Mm. i don't really know where that is but it's the only mountain bike park and it's about to have 5.7 million dollar makeover um it uh, includes improved trails more pump tracks public restrooms and a new quote gravity oriented trail Uh, the 25 acre off-road cycling park opened in 2017 
How did you find it? Yeah. Oh, oh. I, I've been there. Oh, but it's in the middle of the freeways? It's in the middle of the freeways. So there's a, this green zone when you take 84 and uh, are... The it's na- where 84 and, and 205 collide and and that <laughs> have that the weird... intersection is not it's not violent <laughs> have you driven that That's section true. it's pretty violent uh and there's a greenway it's right next to um park rose heights and um uh, i can't think of the name of the city that's inside portland over there i don't know maywood park oh. uh next to maywood park and uh that's where it is so that's gonna um the upgrades are part of the park's multi-phase buildup. Um, it should take another couple of years for it to be fully finished. Uh, so it's going to be closed in construction in Mar- March and then reopen when the upgrades are complete in November. So it will be closed summer and open winter and, <laughs> and spring. Just perfect for Portland. Perfect. Um, also going on in Portland, Portland is considering the strictest ban on facial recognition technology in the U.S. Uh, now, the article, which is from Oregon Live, is kind of a, a longer, not rambling, but it's kind of telling the story of this guy. But it's the story of the guy that went to Jackson Food, Mark, uh, food Market here in, Portland, in northeast Portland, and um, the door would not open until he put his until he put his feet on designated spots on a doormat and looked up at the camera. And then the door opened. Uh, so he got in, but another uh, man, Yankee, was trying to get in um, because he was confused and he um, he would he wasn't allowed to get in for some reason. So this is Jackson's use of it. Um, and they've got stores all over the place. But um, there are no federal rules regulating facial recognition technology or or what's done with the uh, uh, use of the data it uses uh, is what city officials are saying. Um, so the officials are considering a strictest ban in the country, prohibiting its use not only by government agencies, but also private businesses. Uh, the state of Oregon already bans police from using body cameras with facial recognition technology. Uh, so of course, San Francisco, Oakland, and Berkeley, Portland's older siblings are among the first, uh, to already have banned, uh, some of that. So it's kind of going back and forth. Uh, like I said, the article is a little longer and has more details, but, um, uh, it wouldn't uh, apply to private use, such as favorite, uh, face ID and other other things like that. But for businesses to be able to to basically say that you can't come in, look at this until we have your ID. Yeah, and there's, I mean, obviously, and it did go into it a little bit. Like they mm. haven't, it hasn't been a big thing that they've been prohibiting a lot of people, but for people who are known to rob convenience stores and who are known drug users or thieves or all of that. I mean, from a business side, it's like, well, of course, if I, if a known thief is walking into my building, right. I want to know. Right. But to have a it's locked a door, slope, you know, that, so, and that, uh, and that's, that's similar to the conversation that Apple has been having with the justice department about, mm-hmm. you know, they, they continue yeah. to have requests from the justice department to, unlock their phones or to provide backdoors into their encryption. And like, if you have a backdoor into your encrypted data, it, it will, will be, be ex- exploited. Yeah. Like it's just definitive. There's, there's just no question right. about that. And um, in uh, encryption is, is, 
it's hard to get it right and to and the the freedom that it provides when I'm texting Nick or you know and I just I don't want anyone right besides him to be a part of that conversation at all ever right ever right <laughs> there's no never a time when that's necessary right and um but if you use fear to drive well you know there's the boogeyman out there the terrorists have it the terrorists have it al-qaeda too. has this right now is al-qaeda still around no I, al-qaeda is so 10 years ago <laughs> what what is it now isis that's right. isis has it. oh wait no, ISIS We're is done. I thought we defeated defe- ISIS. Defeated, unless you ask our national security advisors. Um, <laughs> I don't know who's our, who's our we need an enemy. Exactly. Who's our enemy? <laughs> the Democrats. Oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> so the Democrats have it. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad it's being discussed and stuff like that. And I am. I am happy for um, for companies that like Apple that at least right now are are standing up to uh, things like that. Um, as Nate from the Not Nerd podcast would say, don't leave yourself vulnerable, <laughs> vulnerable, vulnerable. Uh, uh, do you have a story for us? I do. So uh, Jimmy Carter's hometown, uh, which uh, as you came in, I was looking up some information about Plains, Georgia, which has just over 700 people uh, wow. in it. And just this, it's the birth, birthplace and current home of Jimmy Carter, our uh, 39th president. And um, his peanut farm has been uh, mostly converted to a solar farm who is now providing more than half of the power to the city of the thriving metropolis of Plains, Georgia, of 770 people. And so half of their power is being supplied by solar from Jimmy Carter's farm now. Wow, and that's I just, awesome. So wholesome and so fantastic. He's the Mr. Rogers of politics, he I think. He is the Mr. Rogers of politics. I don't think the presidency was the role for him. <laughs> right. I don't know that his gifts were right. best utilized. And I guess he realized that because he's just been building houses ever since. <laughs> building houses and just being a, a great diplomat and mm-hmm. uh, bridger of gaps uh, he's he's done uh, a lot of things in asia for you know releasing hostages he's been part right. of conversations with with uh, those those things and um i i remember like him being criticized as a president because he kind of has a natural smile which uh, oh. like and so he he smiles a lot and so he would be delivering really somber news and have a smile right. on his face and get just torn apart by the the opposing party. See, you remember, I don't remember any is, of Jimmy Carter's presidency because I was like under five right. during that. But you probably a little bit more because you would have been like eight to nine or yeah. something like and that. And so the things I remember are, are 100% about the 52 American hostages. And we would, we had yellow ribbon campaigns and there's yellow ribbons everywhere because the world was consumed by the 52 American hostages. And and famously, the day that Reagan took office, they were released just so the Ayatollah Committee could rub it in Carter's face right. uh, that he didn't do it, you know, or whatever. And uh, come on, oh, people. World politics. Just, world politics is so... Uh, stuff. Uh, and I do remember during the election where Reagan uh, got elected... Carter was a one-term president, yeah. right? Um, 
where Reagan unseated Carter, um, my we lived in uh, Reno, Nevada, so very pretty conservative area, and we my parents were Carter fans, and I remember them telling me like you probably don't need to share that information at school. You might get beat up. Yeah. Just like, I remember that being a thing. Uh, and I don't remember being afraid of saying that or anything. I don't, it didn't affect my, yeah, I was, I was eight or nine. Okay. Uh, but I was born in 71 and this was 79. Yeah. Yeah, So eight. And I don't, the only thing I know about Carter is that, um, during the energy crisis, he told everyone to wear a sweater instead of turning up the thermostat and right. somehow that was a big controversy or of like course. they made fun of him for that. Cause I right. think he gave the address in a sweater, which apparently was like very un, un- unpresidential. Um, and he admitted to lusting after women in his heart. Like right. they were, somebody was trying, it was like so dumb. Like they were trying to pin him down, like with something. He's like, you know, I lust other women in my heart or whatever he right. said. It he's, just was. He was a Sunday school teacher yeah. and just a, just a, a great guy. He was also, uh, he was an officer in Navy nuclear power, I believe on oh. a submarine. And, uh, oh, and right. so I, I followed that. I followed uh, as an enlisted person, as a nuclear power plant operator on a submarine. And so uh, he was the president during Three Mile Island, uh, the incident at Three Mile Island. And as a nuclear power plant officer, he had great depths of knowledge about the incident and and how to respond and, and how to address the nation right. about that. Wow. So it's, uh, really. Can you uh, imagine timely. living in a time where like there's a huge crisis and the people in charge have a huge in-depth grasp of that subject and then Not the worst anymore. and then the worst they do is lust in their heart. Right. <laughs> Not anymore. What a we don't, what a time we don't to be those times. What a time to be alive. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of going kind of back to some of those data, what happens to our data things, uh, Ancestry.com is fighting the U.S. government as the feds try to grab some DNA data. So Ancestry and boy, that's a word that I can't say, apparently. Ancestry has revealed it's fighting uh, the only second unknown case in which the the leading uh, leading family history company has been served with a warrant demanding genetic information. So in uh, a transparency report released last week, the site said that it did not comply with a single request for DNA uh, that it received in 2019. It shows how uh, these companies are, uh, people are going after these companies, blah, blah, blah. You're playing with your little... I do want to explain the little tinkling noise you hear in the background, which is fine. It's kind of soothing. (laughs) You've got one of those metal puzzles that you're trying to... We've been cleaning our house, and I've been uncovering and unearthing those little (laughs) things that I haven't seen in two or three years. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's all right. It's a little metal puzzle. It's It's like hearing a stream in the background. Yeah, it's got a Everybody's checking their car. They're trying to figure (laughs) out where that... I swear I heard a clinking somewhere. (laughs) It's play sirens and... um, so blah, blah, blah. They're also having that same discussion of um, of what they should and shouldn't uh, be forced to hand over to law enforcement. Uh, it had They did catch the Golden State Killer, 
uh, using information that uh, was matched uh, not with Ancestry.com but with a different one, uh, and also New York had helped out. But um, uh, it uh, Ancestry.com says it received nine valid law enforcement requests for user information uh, and provided customer details in just six, just one uh, related to DNA and the others regarded a credit card misuse or something like that. So they are saying no, but I mean, whoever takes over Ancestry.com next is going to see, wait, they're going to pay me how much to release this information? Right. Sold. So. <sighs> yeah. Um. I have an idea for an art project. Yes, go uh, on. So, uh, I, I play a lot with Raspberry Pis, which are just computers that are uh, you can put in the palm of your hand, kind of thing. So I was I was putting different ideas together that I had seen before, and in Los Angeles, in uh, West Hollywood, there was a bus stop that had just a a standard. Um, cement block with like a light. It it was unremarkable, right? But it had a speaker underneath it, and that speaker was broadcasting from a microphone that was literally just around the corner at a different bus stop. That uh, and and so you could you would hear like a bus approach, and you'd hear like chatter in the background, and 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 it was. It was just an interesting, very subtle, weird little art project. Right. Okay? So what I was thinking about is taking that same concept and bridging sister cities. So one of our sister cities here in uh, Portland, Oregon, is um, <laughs> sister. What? Oh no, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Dang, now so I have to exit out of the screen, sister. <laughs> I barely knew her. All right, I know. Sister I, city. I leapt to my, uh, <laughs> I left to my soundboard, and you're trying to figure out where I'm going Which with this sound. Is, so go on. Uh, Sorry, sister, sister city, city is uh, Bologna, uh, Italy. Oh, <laughs> never mind then. And Japan. I, oh, Japan. There's one in Japan. <laughs> yeah, there's one in Japan as well. Uh, we have like six sister cities. Okay. Right. It's a big family. It's a big family. And uh, what I was thinking about is. Not putting much explanation, no pictures, it's not a video camera, it's not showing a live feed with video or anything like that. It just has a microphone and a speaker that is uh, not, yeah, just hidden, not necessarily hidden, but maybe um, just on a pole or, okay. or something like in downtown Portland. Okay. And it, it connects solely to Bologna, Italy, <laughs> that has the same thing, right? And so you've got so it's people like a walkie-talkie. It's like a walkie-talkie between sister cities, right? That don't have explanation or anything, and so you might be standing next to it and hear somebody, and then you're like. What what's that? And and they speak in Spanish, it, right? It's speaking Italian, and they oh, yeah. and they they would respond. And Italians have, can speak Spanish too. They're not dumb, Mark. <laughs> I've met them. No, no, no. They speak they, Spanish. They, they, they speak Spanish much better than than I do. And that's I like that. And and just kind of a subtle connection. Maybe you have a webcam that is 
in the distance looking at uh, the participants just so you can record what's right. what's going like on the, so on top of the building across the street so you can't see like who right. they are or whatever right, right right and and just as a an audible bridge between sister cities so that you might um, there might be a plaque next to it just explaining hey this is talking to Bologna Italy or whatever and that's it and I like that a lot and that's then neat. Uh, and so you would go up to it like. Hello, <laughs> hello, is anyone there? You're like, and they're and they're like, uh, no, ciao. And a lot of people in Bologna speak great English, right. and so, um, and there's people in uh, the United States that speak pretty good Italian, and so you could bridge like that. Andrew Dice Clay. Hey, <laughs> oh, I'm from Portland. We got the speaker, ma. We can speak right to Italy. <laughs> Exactly, and that's a callback to Portland and the movies. Uh, go, go check out our our uh, brain smasher a love story. Brain smasher a love story, and um, and so I I don't. There is a sister city association with Bologna, uh, for example, and they don't have any budget or anything, but uh, there might be a business that could sponsor that you know oh, right. or, or something and and maybe it's just a um a panel on the outside of a building in downtown that's sponsored by myron frank right. building you know a host or whatever yeah something like that uh and so that, that was that would be neat. like project. especially if you put it like in um pioneer square right right so <laughs> that's what i was thinking that's i like that yeah. i like those little ideas Oh, well, an orangutan was granted personhood, turned 34, and made a new friend. So Sandra, who was grant, granted legal personhood by a judge in Argentina, in Argentina, <laughs> has now removed your personhood for lack of grasp of the English Sandra languages. Sandra the orangutan will be taking over the news segment on the Market Podcast. Uh, in Argentina and later found a new home in Florida. So the uh, orangutan turned 34 on Valentine's Day uh, and got a special new friend. Uh, Sandra, quote, has adjusted beautifully to her life at the sanctuary. That's where she was moved um, and befriended Jethro, a 31-year-old male orangutan. So Sandra came from Buenos Aires and Sandra was a bit shy when she moved to the Florida Center, which is home to 22 orangutans. Uh, Sandra, uh, the, the caretaker says Sandra appeared most interested in Jethro and one of our caregivers felt he was a perfect choice because they were close in age, demeanor and nature. So, uh, judge Elena Libertoni said that, uh, in her landmark 2015 ruling that Sandra is legally not an animal, but a non-human person. And thus entitled to some legal rights, uh, like better living conditions and things like that. She said, with that ruling, I wanted to tell society something new, that animals are sentient beings and that they, the, they, easy, <laughs> am I a sentient being? The animals are sentient beings and that the first right they have is uh, our obligation to respect them, she said to the Associated Press. Wow. So, um, where does Jethro come in? So, uh, they're getting to know each other. And Jethro will, quote, sit in the vicinity of Sandra, but not close enough to touch. 
So Sandra weighs 129 pounds and Jethro is 260. So he's a big boy. Uh, Sandra does like to watch Jethro eat, she said. (laughs) Some adult male orangutans will advance uh, in introduction forcefully, but Jethro has been patient and calm, giving Sandra more confidence in his presence. So, Wow. The story of Sandra, (laughs) the the orangutan with personhood. (laughs) The, the non non animal person non animal non human person non human person non human non animal uh, Sandra I'm a monster I'm a <laughs> uh, did you have anything else uh, we also watched uh, a another documentary Ooh. on um, Doctor Pepper on Doctor Pepper yeah uh, I'm a pepper. And it is called Bottled Up, The Battle Over Dublin Dr. Pepper. Have you ever heard of Dublin Dr. Pepper? Uh -uh. So if you're in Texas, it's a big thing. Uh, It used to be a big thing. Uh, The Dublin Dr. Pepper bottling company uh, was the smallest of the bottlers that Dr. Pepper had. Uh, Dr. Pepper was founded in Waco, Texas, and then moved to... um, Houston, Dallas to Dallas. Dublin has been around for 120 years. The bottling company has been around for 120 years from the very start of uh, Dr. Pepper. And they were purists and kept sugar in the recipe instead of switching to high fructose corn syrup like everybody else did in the 80s to save costs. So it cost a little bit more and it became this impassioned commodity that people would drive for many miles to come like Mexican Coke Coke. exactly and uh, it was the highest selling uh, Dr. Pepper in uh, Austin Texas and all all this stuff and uh, corporate supported that for a long time for decades and referred to Dublin Dr. Pepper oh there's nothing better than and Dublin Dr. Pepper the executives would get a case every year, all all this stuff. And uh, then one day they uh, shut it down. They said uh, the use of the word Dublin in Dr. Pepper has violated your agreements and you, by allowing people to buy it and then exit that uh, tri-county area, um, violated their terms of... Uh, their agreement, they shut it down, and uh, Texas lost its shit <laughs> over over Dublin doc, Dr. Pepper. And there's a really great documentary about that whole uh, uh, rise and fall of Dublin Dr. Pepper oh, called Bottled Up. Where, did, where, where is it on? On on, um, on Netflix. On Netflix. Okay, nice. Yeah. As long as it's not watch on, it. On, it's not as long as it's not on Hulu. No. It's the only one I can't watch because you got rid of your Hulu subscription. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, that that's, you had? that's it for me. Okay, well, I don't know. I just have nothing to play on. All this time we could have been friends. It's not really a transition of any kind, but so I've. Aww. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I feel calmed now. So I've been following around um, ever since I've been rebuilding my YouTube channel. Um, 
that also took away all my viewing preferences and saved video. I'm like, all of that algorithm is, had started from zero. So I've been finding all the stuff that I like to watch and kind of rewatching again. And that uh, there's a channel called Technology Connections that I really like. And it's a look at uh, like retro tech, but the it, it's just a really good technology. Like he did a thing on it. I think I've talked about this before, but did a thing on an antique toasters and, and mm. oh, yeah, all yeah, sorts sure of stuff. Is. And, and um, right now he's on part five of a series on the CED, which is that capacitance electronic disc that. Oh yeah. Like yeah. A, um, I feel one right oh, yeah, over yeah. There. One over there. Um, but anyway, I kind of wanted, since I'm doing my big VHS swap next weekend, uh, I wanted to look into the format wars between VHS and beta, because mm -hmm. this is another area, much like the glass is a super cooled liquid, uh, where it was much impossible. Debate. Yes, there is impossible to fact check anything before the internet happens. So we just all spread the same rumors over and over and over. There are a lot of rumors on the format battle between the two and why VHS won and why Betamax did not. So I just kind of want to. It was a very interesting story that um, that uh, I I learned on Technology Connection. So I'm going to kind of pass it along here, um, but. To, to start at the beginning, there was film, of course, in the theaters, and there was television. There was no way to watch movies at home. That was home theater wasn't a thing. If it came on TV, it came on TV. You know, if you didn't see it, then you never saw it again. Uh, that sort of thing. So, like the home video market that we know today, like might as well be flying cars. Like yeah. we have no, it's not on our radar. At our because in film, the problem was the film can only go so fast and that's what moves across the light. The, the lens and the light is stationary. Once you get, then you get giant reels of film. How do you get this into a format that somebody could use at home? Right. Uh, so they moved to videotape, which they had been, uh, Sony and, and 3M and all of those companies, um, developing all sorts of tapes for both audio and video. So Sony, first on the scene wants to um, uh, not go into the home theater market because that's not a market that exists, but they want to address time shifting. This is the first time that we're going to have the option of being able to watch something when we're not there. Like that is also a concept like you right. hear in, in Back to the Future or whatever, watching reruns and like maybe that didn't even exist. So right. time shifting. So once they solve the problem of, of, of getting this on tape and part of what helps keep the amount of tape down is that when you put a tape in your VCR, both beta and VHS run off just a VC it's called VCR for both. So in your VCR, the tape does move, but it's kind of slow, like a cassette tape. What's happening is inside it's got a, a, a spinning electromagnetic head that spins like super fast. And so that way they're able to read much faster on that tape. So Sony goes with the beta format, which holds uh, an, a whole hour of pre-recorded material, maybe up to an hour and a half. But we're we're pushing we're pushing it going over an hour mark. Um, so as they're developing this and release start with, they had one format before Betamax that kind of did the same thing, but it's kind of a forgotten little thing. But during that initial phase. They get sued. Sony gets sued by a lot of the other entertainment uh, production corporations for copyright infringement. For you can't tape our movie like this is our movie. You cannot tape it off of the air. 
Um, they end up going to the Supreme Court, and by one vote, five to four, they rule in favor of Sony that this is fair use. It is coming over the air into your home. You can time shift it. You can consume this whenever you want to consume it. Obviously, you can't make copies and sell sell it on your own, but you may. Uh, so Betamax was the format that um, capitalized on that, and their whole focus was, like I said, that time shifting. Now, at the same time, JVC kind of hears what Sony is doing and says, well, we should work also on a home video format using the same uh, quarter inch or half inch tape. Um, they're different formats, so you can't, uh, I watched some YouTube video of a guy that spliced the reels out of a beta into a VHS tape to see if it would be like, if you do a PAL versus NTSC, right. you kind of hear some audio, but it, but when you do go beta to VHS, there's nothing, no nothing, sig- nothing of any okay. of any sort. Um, so if you've never seen a beta tape, it is a little bit smaller than a VHS tape, and instead of the two windows, it has one window. So throughout this whole process, Sony, who is developing the Betamax, is not. This is a great example of when a business does not focus on what its customer wants and how a product is used. So right now, they're thinking the time shifting. Um, but even on a tape, when you only have one of those windows, you can't see if it's rewound all the way. You can't see how far in. It's just little things like that. And because they committed to that size, they engineered everything around it, which has a limited amount of space. And so already they have a one to one and a half hour cap. The VHS comes out the year later. It has already a two hour standard. And <clears throat> as as Sony and JVC are starting to shop around, Sony's got a a, um, a year-long head start on its Betamax. Um, so they're going around and and asking different manufacturers, well, uh, you know, do you want to participate in this? Sony doesn't want to sell. Sony doesn't want to sell its license to other companies to make Betamax players. They want Apple Apple computer like. They want to own, you know, it from beginning to end. Absolutely. Um, so they're asked, well, can you make it longer than an hour and a half? They're like, well, no, that's, you know, that's what we're sticking. We're sticking to that, that solid. People don't want to see more than. People don't need to do that. Uh, so they asked the VHS people that, you know, who are already at two hours and they're like, well, I guess you can record at a lower quality and you'd get like, I don't know, double out of that. And so all the, all the people who are going to take this technology out are like, great. Now we can say already that there is four to six hours right. on this versus one. Um, at the time, the things that you tape off the of TV are TV movies and football games. TV movies are two hours. Football games are like four hours. So now as this thing is starting to come to market, you have Sony's machine, which is really nicely built. It's engineered wonderfully. It's expensive. We also have VHS, which multiple manufacturers are making, driving down the price. And because uh, VHS, J- when JVC was developing the VHS, they wanted to focus on the rental market, which did not exist. Right. But they foresaw, wait a minute, we've got a tape that can hold at least two hours. So we can hold a whole movie on ours. So we will work with the studios. We'll put movies out on VHS develop this rental market saying that the, you know you buy this one and you can rent it out to all these people and you can have your own business now beta is stuck with its size it can't go over an hour it can't put movies unless you're doing double and then triple right tapes 
because the format is too small. And so even though Beta was focused on that time shifting and, 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 and uh, in-home type of experience, they didn't even do that well because they built you had one timer in for one channel at a time. VHS comes along, they have a more sophisticated timer. You can do four channels on four different days programming at once and have six hours of tape instead of one to maybe one and a half. So now beta is starting to get uh, already a little bit phased out. Uh, so beta is starting to scramble at this point. And so they're like, well, um, you can record it at beta two or beta three speed, which is just slowing down the tape, just like VHS has always done to right. extend the life of that. Um, this does tie into one of the things. So when, when the people I talk to, and I talk to a lot of people who talk about format wars, and I'm sure everybody's the same, they're always talking about <laughs> format wars. But one of the things brought up is like, is that beta is better quality. Right. And that is technically true. It's got like 10 more lines. But when you're talking about a television in 1975, like the difference is imperceptible. And now if you're degrading your quality by stepping up your time, then there is no difference at this point between beta quality and VHS. And something that I'd always said was, well, professionals always used um, they've got beta SP cameras. They they use that right. well into the late 90s. That is a different format than beta. It just happens to share that name, but it's not the same format. Oh, so they're using a professional, you know, obviously professional grade tape and and all of that. So Beta extends its life trying to say, well, okay, we'll slow it down. They did in introduce something called beta scan, which was the first time that you were able to freeze frame. And when you fast forward, you'd see the picture. Uh, oh, VHS right. couldn't do that up to that point. And so that was another thing. But then VHS pretty much just did that in the, like the next year or so. And so every time beta tried to introduce something uh, new, VHS just did it right away, right after they did hi-fi and then like, well, here's VHS hi. Like it's not right. We're playing, the, we're playing the, the last, uh, we're, what was, uh, the last Jedi where the whole, <laughs> the whole movie is just like, and we're chasing you to here. Oh, okay. And then we're going to chase you to here. Okay. And then we're going to chase you to here. It just starts and stops. Um, the other nail in the coffin. So at this point, the rental, we're in the late seventies, early eighties, the boom of, the video rental um, businesses is just starting to boom. Movies are coming out. People are buying the cheap, the VCRs or the VHS VCRs, which aren't as nice. They're a little clunkier, but they're cheaper. They know they can record all this four different things at four different times. You know, you can get movies, you can get all these things. So now the weights are becoming so out of whack that it's only a matter of time until beta just no longer is an option. So right now video stores and even when I was a kid had beta, some beta options yep. and some VHS options. <clears throat> um, but now when we're talking about home video, we're talking about camcorders and stuff like that. And, and Sony actually developed a really, I mean, when you think of that technology in the early eighties, everything is huge. I mean, the first video cameras you had to carry along that a extra suitcase, uh, 600 yeah. pound thing yeah. to actually record you put the thing on your shoulder. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Sony developed a camera where you can fit the, the beta tape in it. And it's like all wound around all crazy amount just to work, but you couldn't see 
what you taped on the camera. It had no way no. to show you. And so you would have to bring it home and you can use, you know, hook up your camera or whatever to your TV or throw it in your, but then uh, VHS, the way they solve that problem is they make the little VHS compact tapes. And if right. you remember those, yep. they're the little tiny ones and you just get the shell. They sold an adapter shell that you just pop that in and you're able to use that in your standard v, uh, VCR, but you were able to preview and see things on camera. So now everyone in America has a VHS recording device, recording device um, which was uh, one of the last nails in the coffin because then motion studio producers are saying, well, it's not worth paying all of this money to release our, to release our movies on beta. Nobody like nobody's watching it. And so eventually those things just outweigh it. And there is no reason for anyone to buy a beta machine. And so by the late, not the late eighties, um, they stopped making, obviously, and they supported the format a little bit longer. Studios would still put them out, you know, or right. obsolete or whatever. But then um, In, into uh, the early 90s, including like up to 95, uh, one of the biggest purchasers of those beta movies. Yeah. Uh, the military. Oh, so wow. on our submarine, we had uh, the Navy had blanketly said beta is our is our baby and uh and so cheap machines and cheap movies yeah well they were just a little bit smaller and oh, sure. size is critical on a on board a submarine yeah. and so we had a huge library of movies uh and incidentally they only watched groundhog day <laughs> and um the one with uh uh the Lady spreading her legs. Oh uh, dear, Sharon uh, Stone. Sharon Stone. Yeah, I watched wow, that. I'm sorry, Sharon Stone, but that's you're the first person I thought of when you said lady spreading her legs from hey, Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. Yeah. <laughs> so they just would watch that movie and rewind that scene wow. over and over and over. Oh my again. gosh, that's so funny. Um, so, like I said, the the whenever you hear someone talk about it, there is a part that I've been repeating for years because when you talk about technology. The adult entertainment industry always comes up as a driving force behind different technologies, whether it's, you know, actual film, whether it's uh, Internet and computer and all of that stuff. And that was uh, the same case. uh, It was always said for the beta beta VHS fight and that because you were allowed to find pornography on VHS, that's why everyone decided to go that way, which is not true. Right. And still, I mean, I watched a bunch of videos yesterday that said that still. And I had thought that until I watched Technology Connections was one of them. And he pointed out that Sony, like when they sold somebody a beta machine and tape and camera, like they don't come to your house and like (laughs) scrutinize what you're putting on. Yeah, everything that you film. So like that didn't have anything to do with it. But when you think, well, cameras were not as easy to the beta cameras were not as easily as easy to use. Um, Everybody in their home already has a VCR. So we'll make movies on the format that everybody has already. So it just becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, So that had nothing to do with with it. um, But is that that is always one of the rumors that that I have heard. Um, so that is, that is untrue. So I wanted to, to finish up here with, um, 
the end of technology connection. I go go look at that channel on YouTube. He delight he delight me delights me. He's just this dorky. I don't know. He's in his mid twenties maybe. His channel's gotten better and better. He's got nice sets and lighting and a good nice. camera now. And um, but he wraps up his whole. He did a, the two part thing on uh, VHS versus Beta, and he summed it up like this to VHS. This whole return path can never be recorded onto at the start of the tape. Now, since that's obviously a tiny portion of the overall tape in the cassette, does it really matter? No, of course not. None of this matters. We're talking about two dead formats here as if their pros and cons matter in the slightest in 2019. They don't. It's over. It's done. It's history. If you bought a beta machine, feel free to keep being smug about it, but you backed the wrong horse. Oh well, life sucks sometimes. Now, where's my HD DVD player? Anyway, that's <laughs> um, But Sony did not fully go away, obviously. Um, they did win the format wars for the compact disc and Blu-ray. So they were the formats that they went on to do. Um, and, and also Spider-Man. They own the, <laughs> the motion picture rights for Spider-Man yes, and they, they are not very good at that. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was an interesting, yeah, interesting is. look into how, because do you know why the, when you look at 45, uh, 45 RPM records, the little singles or whatever they used right. to, and they have the big hole. Do you know right. why they have the big hole? I don't. Because of format wars. Because um, the album and the LP, the the word LP was trademarked. And I want to say Sony again, but I don't think that's right. That that old, but that was trademarked, so people just would go with albums. But they all came in a proprietary big hole thing because they wanted to sell the record players that had the big hole thing in it and so like it was over a format war that some of the holes are tiny and some of the holes are big so all of that stuff is so weird when you look at it from from the business angle so anyway wow that was really cool that is all anything oh we're no, looking no, at no, oh no, we're not, not uh oh uh oh fake news no, fake news fake where's news. my fake news going oh, i don't know you is either. are fake news <laughs> why can't i find anything on this because you have it poorly organized find, well that and oh no, no too soon oh, there it is. you are fake news all right well thank you everyone for listening to another episode uh if you haven't listened to last week's portland at the movies uh do so because it was a fine episode about a movie starring andrew dice clay and terry hatcher called brain smasher a love story so check that out um Check out Fun Employment Radio, where you can hear this very fine show and our other show, and Greg and Sarah and Aaron Duran, all of us on that. Um, I have nothing to take us out with, so we will. I wonder if there's a song about uh, VHS song. Oh, go visit my my. I got oh, I got my own URL yeah. for my YouTube channel because oh, right. someone posted my. My thing on Reddit. So go to uh, youtube.com slash C, see for channel, slash C slash RIP VHS. So youtube.com slash C slash RIP VHS. Uh, and we'll go out with something called VHS Glitch by Dr. D, which is hopefully not rife with profanity. So thank you for listening. <laughs> see you next time.
name Dr. D or whatever. See if it gets better. It does not. It does not. All right. See you next time.